Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to connect and celebrate with you. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life. We're going to get into the Word. If you're ready, let me hear you say ready. We're going to jump into God's Word. I'm kicking off a series for January. It is called Viral, and I want to talk today about vision that goes viral. God has a dream for your life. God has a plan for your life. I know that most of us know that, but most of us don't know what that plan is. A lot of us know what our own plans are, but we don't know what God's plan. What is God's vision for your life? And that's what I want to talk about today, because everything about your life should be built around this vision, this dream that God has for your life. So I want to start by reading in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. If you'll look at this with me, Ephesians 5, 17, it says, don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Let's read this out loud together. Ready? Here we go. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Do you have any idea what the master wants? What is his plan for your life? What is his dream for your life? God has a dream for you. And the sooner you figure out what that dream is for your life, the sooner you will find true purpose and fulfillment. The greatest tragedy in life is not dying. The greatest tragedy in life is not living what you were designed to live for, is not living out God's plan for your life. Now, I don't know all the keys to success, but I know one key to failure is not knowing and not living out God's plan for your life. A a lot of people live their life like they're in this hamster wheel. You know, it's like I wake up, I go to work, I go home, I go to bed, I go to sleep, I wake up, I go home, I go to bed, I go to, it's just like this nonstop hamster wheel. That's what happens if you don't know what God's dream is for your life. And so as we start today, if you have your outlines, your notes, you can open them up, you can turn them on. These will also be on the screens, but I want to give you five keys to vision that goes viral. Five keys for your life. Number one is this, is to ask God for his, his vision for your life. Ask God. Look at somebody and tell them, you need to start asking God. Go ahead, tell them that you need to start asking God, what is your vision for my life? God will show you if you ask him, God, what is your plan? For my life. What is your vision, your dream for my life? Proverbs 29 18, uh, the Bible says this where there is no vision, the people perish. Let's read that out loud. Where there is no vision, the people perish. 
This is true for every individual. This is true for every business, every team, every sports team, every nation. Without a vision, it will not come to pass. Without a vision, a marriage won't stand. Without a vision, a team won't succeed. You have to have a vision. A vision is what drives the mission. Without vision, there's no direction. And so a vision, it focuses your life. That's what I really want for 2022, don't you? I want a focused life. I want a life that is built around the dream that God has for my life. And so I think a vision kind of like a, a light. It's like, you know, this light goes off. Oh, that's, that's what I'm built for. That's what I'm created for. And the more you focus light, the more powerful it becomes, right? You can focus light so much so that it can cut through steel. It becomes a laser. Uh, laser light is incredibly powerful. And the same is true with your life. God has a vision for your life, and the sooner you learn that vision, that dream, the more focus you have. Now, as we kick off 2022, I thought we'd start out with two verses about God's plan for your life. So let's look at them in Jeremiah 29, 11. The word of God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, and plans to give you a hope and a future. How many of you would say amen to that? God has a plan for you. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, Let's read this one out loud together. It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That is a great verse for 2022. How many believe that God has a plan so great for you that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for you? Now, I know that everybody, for the most part, has a dream. You have a dream. You have a vision for your own life. This is what I want to do with my life. This is what I want to become with my life. Kids are really good at dreaming. Kids are like professional dreamers. They dream about where they want to live when they grow up, what kind of house they want to live in, what kind of car they want to drive, who they want to marry. And they have all kinds of dreams. Then when we become adults, we stop dreaming. It's like life gets in the way. We've had some setbacks. We've had some failures. We've gone through some stuff. And we tend to dream less as we get older. But God wants you to keep on dreaming. Look at somebody and tell them, keep on dreaming. God wants you to keep on dreaming. Don't stop dreaming. Don't stop asking God for his dream for your life. You know what I've learned about my own life? I've learned this, that when you chase your own dream, it gives you pleasure, but when you chase God's dream, it gives you pleasure and purpose. And that's what I want. I want some purpose to my life. Some of you, you have a business, and I want to do this, and I want to do that, and you became successful. You've made a lot of money. 
Good for you. We're so happy for you. You live in a beautiful home. You live in such a nice home. It doesn't just have a gate. It has a dude standing at the gate. You're in a guard-gated community. You've got some nice rides. I mean, those are ridiculous. You've got money in the bank. You are so successful. You have built your dream. You put some money in your pocket. You put some money in your bank account, and you've done nothing for the kingdom of God. I know all the ones that aren't clapping, which ones you are right now. God has a dream for your life. And I want to just give you two thoughts inside point one about God's dream for your life. It's letters A and B. How do you know if a dream is from God? Two ways. Number one way is this, is that my dream is bigger than I am. If it's from God, you cannot fulfill the dream without God. God's dream for your life, it, listen, if you're going through life right now and God's just kind of part of your life, you are not walking out God's dream and God's vision for your life. Because when God gives you a dream, you are going to have to depend on him to see that dream come to life. So my dream is bigger than me. Listen, your dream shouldn't be based on what you think you can do. It should be based on what you think God can do. What do you think God can do? And a second way you know that your dream is from God, this is a big one. Hey, don't leave the church, but I'm about to lay into you right here. Letter B, my dream builds the kingdom of God. It builds the kingdom of God. It builds the kingdom of God. You say, well, I have my own firm. I'm so successful. You've done nothing for the kingdom of God. I've got my own business. It's so successful. You've done nothing for the kingdom of God. But I'm a doctor, PT. You've done nothing for the king. I'm not saying you didn't fix bodies. I'm asking today, what are you doing to make the kingdom of God a better place? What are you doing to populate heaven? One of the dreams I have for my own life, and I've said this many times, I said my dream is that I'll have more people go to heaven when they die and less people go through hell while they live. That's the dream I have for my life. You say, but you're a preacher. Of course, that's your dream. You know, I chose to be a preacher. It's not like I was born with anointing oil in my hand, came out of the womb with a Bible. Let's go. God called me and I made the choice to answer the call. Listen, if your dream is your business, it's a great dream, but your business isn't about you. Not if it's a God-sized dream. Not if it's a God business. It's not about you. It's about people. It's about God. You remember the scriptures in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, where Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations? He said, go into all the world. All the world means your business. It means your teams. It means your families. It means your neighborhoods. He says, go into all the world. And so if your dream does not include building the kingdom of God, it's not a God dream. I love certain business models. I like the Chick-fil-A business model. I like the Chick-fil-A business model because, well, like the famous theologian 
Kanye said they're closed on Sundays. And I like In-N-Out Burger. You flip their cups upside down and they got scriptures in their cups. That's pretty cool. Y'all didn't even know that, some of you. You're like, oh, really? No wonder they're so good. I like Hobby Lobby's business model. Hobby Lobby and Chick-fil-A in some ways suck because I always need something from both of them on a Sunday. It's like the only day of the week I'm like, let's get some Chick-fil-A. Oh, it's closed. How is it that Chick-fil-A can be open six days a week and sell more than other restaurants that are open seven days a week? Because they're building their model on the foundation of God's word. I like, there's this great famous Mexican food place. If you've never heard of it, you are walking outside of God's anointing, but it's local and it's, 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 it's heaven. It's called Carolina's Mexican food. It's heaven. If you've never, I should get free food for a year from all these places for bringing them up. But Carolina's Mexican food, you go in and it's got worship music playing and they're also closed on Sunday. What I'm asking is I'm asking about you. How does what you do in your life build the kingdom of God? Because building the kingdom of God isn't up to the preachers of the world. In fact, we're not so great at it. It's up to the people of this world. God wants you to live out and walk out his dream. One of my life verses for my own life, and I know you're going to think this is kind of weird, but it's Acts, 30, it's Acts 13, verse 36, and I discovered this verse years ago, and I, I don't know if I put it in your outlines, but I'm going to read it to you in Acts 13, 36. It says, after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died, and he was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. Isn't that a great life verse? The reason I like it is because I could just substitute my own name right here. Instead of David, I say, after Travis had done the will of God, he died. That's all I need to know. After Travis did the will of God, he died. I don't need to be on this earth if I'm not doing the will of God. The moment I'm done doing God's will in my life, I'm good. Lord, take me home. I don't want to do nothing more or nothing less than God's will. One of the scriptures I've claimed for our own church is in 1 Chronicles 4, and it's the prayer of Jabez. We've almost probably all heard of these scriptures, but I want to read to you what the word says. It says, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, O Lord, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. God, that you would bless me. God, that you would enlarge my territory. I've been praying this since that I started, since the very beginning. God, that your hand would be with us. God, that you would keep us from harm. God, that you would keep us from pain. God, that you would grant this request. My dream for Impact Church has been crazy, but I dream one day that we will have our own arena, Impact Church Arena. I don't know. I just have this idea in my head that we're going to have an arena. And I just, it, it's this, this is great. This is wonderful. This building that we're in now, this is the first step towards the final step. This is just a place where we can have church until we build this arena. And some people get all weird about that, you know, because some people, I know, 
I've been, you know, with every phase of the church since 200 people. So now it's thousands. But when we get to 200, we grow to 400. And then some people like the church. Sam, you were here at 200. Some people like the church at 200. And they're like, well, the church is too big now. We got to go find another church. I'm like, that's fine. Get out of here. Peace out. I really don't care. And so then the church goes from 400 to 600. And then people liked 400. They didn't really like 600. I got to go find another church with 400. And then 600 grows to 1,200. I don't really like the 1,200. I like the 600. And there are a lot of people that have stayed the entire journey. I'm just saying, sometimes people think they want a smaller church. They don't want a smaller church. What they want is personal connection. See, a small church isn't even a biblical church. So if you want a small church, you want a non-biblical church. Because in the book of Acts, we find the study and the history of the early church. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. Jesus ascended into heaven. And we had the birth of the Christian church in the book of Acts. And the Bible says in the book of Acts that the church grew so fast that one day 5,000 were added. Another day 3,000 were added. The church grew so big that they had church in the temple courts which seated 50,000 people at a time. But they also met in small groups, home groups each day for the fellowship of the believers. So that's why we have our small groups. That's why we have our Bible studies. If you like connection, which you should, because we're relational and God created us to be social and relational. Listen, I'll say it like this. If you want to grow spiritually like you've never grown spiritually, you got to get connected in our small group Bible studies. And if you want to grow even faster than that, you should start serving in the church because you will grow like you have never even imagined you could grow when you get connected to your church. Let's move on. Number two, vision that goes viral. Ask God for his guidance in fulfilling this vision, in fulfilling this dream. God-sized dreams, they require God-sized means. If God gives you the, the vision, you're going to need his provision. You cannot do it on your own. God's vision is far bigger than you far bigger than your resources, far bigger than your brain capacity, your talents, your abilities. It's far bigger. You need God. You need his protection and you need his direction. If your dream is from God, you're going to need his help. So I say, God, you give me the dream. God, guide me step by step in fulfilling this dream. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 9, that we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 26, a man is a fool to trust himself, but those who use God's wisdom are safe. Can anybody preach that verse? You could preach a whole sermon on that verse. A fool to trust himself. A fool. If you want to fail in life, that's probably some of you. If you want to fail in life, like, like if you want your marriage to fail, if you want to fail as a husband, if you want to fail as a wife, if you want to fail as a daddy, if you want to fail in your finances, leave God out. You'll fail. But if you put God into the middle of it, 
you will succeed. And he will guide you step by step by step by step. You know, there's something supernatural that happens every single Sunday. Every single Sunday, I'll either get like a direct message on Instagram or I'll get an email or somebody will tell me in the lobby. This is what somebody will say every week. They'll say, PT, you must have cameras in my house because that message was exactly for me. I don't know if anybody else needed that, but you're reading my mail, brother. That message was for me. And then, here's what's supernatural. They'll tell me something I said that I did not say. That's a miracle. Peach, I say, man, I don't have cameras, but that's great. Tell me what, what part. And then they'll say, well, I loved when you said, and I don't have the heart to tell them I didn't say any of that. But you know what happens is, that's the supernatural part, that I can preach the words that God has put on my heart to preach, but sometimes you hear extra words that God wants you to hear because that's the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart and knowing exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. Aren't you grateful for a God who is our sole provider? And I mean sole provider, that he gives us everything we need right when we need it. I remember being a senior in high school. Life goes so fast. But I remember being a senior in high school, and I became a Christian at, in February of my senior year. And then graduation is in May. And, Daniel, I got so fired up for Christ, like, people were freaked out. Like, I went from, like, party animal, arrogant, jerk. <laughs> I hate to say all that about myself, but it's true to like this like super like sensitive, sweet, on fire for Christ, walking around my campus. You guys remember back in the day they used to have these leather bound books called Bibles? Anybody remember those days before these Bible apps came out? And I would walk around with my Bible and I remember I was so on fire and people thought I was crazy. People seriously thought I was crazy. Like bro, you're in a cult, you need to get out. I invited my friends to church, and then my friends would see the church lift their hands, and like, bro, you're in a cult. What are they lifting their hands to? And I'm like, I don't fully know yet. <laughs> but I feel something. And, and uh, my high school asked me to do the graduation prayer. And I didn't, know, I didn't know what to say. I mean, I said yes to them, but I didn't know what to pray. So I said, Lord, I don't even really know how to pray yet. Like, what do you want me to pray at this graduation ceremony? And, and, and I, I went to my Bible. Now, hang with me for some of you younger generation. You have to understand, and back in the day, if you needed to find something in the Bible, there was no internet. There wasn't something called Google or whatever you use. You know, now you could go, graduation ceremony scriptures. But, but back then, you, you had to open this, this Bible, and it's 66 books inside of one book. It's a, a little intimidating, especially if you've never read it, right? And so I'm like, Lord, show me something in this Bible that I should pray. And you want to know, I opened my Bible, and it's the first thing I read is what I'm about to read you. Watch this. This is how good God is. Psalm 25, verses 4 through 7. 
This is literally what I said at my high school graduation in my prayer. Dear Jesus, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are my God and my Savior. And my hope is in you all day long. But it was really this part, and it was for me and all my homies. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me. For you, O Lord, are good. How many know that God is good? God, guide me. The third key. Third key. Key number three. Vision that goes viral is I need to confide in godly counsel. I wish I had like two hours to spend on this point. I mean, theoretically, I do. We don't have anything after this service, do I? I will know who the Jesus freaks are that stay with me and the heathens that leave. See, when you get this idea, I'm, 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 a, I'm a dreamer. I'm like, I'm a dreamer so much so that I, it freaks my own self out. But when you, when you have this really cool idea, don't you want to tell somebody? You're like, oh, I got this great idea. And, and as I've lived my life, I've learned that there are certain people I can't tell. Because I'm excited about my dream, but that doesn't mean they are. And I'll be like, man, I got this great idea. Like, it is shaking me. I'm so excited. And then you tell somebody, you're like, there's no way you can do that. You're really going to do that? And then you're like, uh, kill joy, right? There are some people in life that they think their life's mission is to be a killjoy. They think it's their life mission to just totally discourage your every great idea. And the reason I say to confide in godly counsel is because there are dream killers all around you. Sometimes they're the closest people to you. Sometimes the people that don't like your dreams the most love you the most. They just can't see past who you've already been into who God wants you to become. So you have to learn to be very selective in who you tell your dreams to. You have to be very protective in who you tell your dreams to. Because there are dream killers, there are naysayers, there are critics, there are people who are just going to be negative just to be negative. But if it's a God-sized dream, you need to find godly counsel to at least share the dream, but also get some feedback. You got to get some feedback. Man, I've learned my lesson and have been through the school of hard knocks on this entire concept because, well, a couple things. About 15 years ago at my previous church, I felt like God had given me a dream to start a fitness center on the church property. 
I still have that dream, like impact sports and fitness. Wouldn't that be cool? Like I still had this dream, like every treadmill is just loaded with archives of sermons and worship sets. And then the trainers, they're not only training you physically, but they're training you spiritually too. And then it's a, it's a real healthy environment. It's not like the local meat markets where we're just looking everybody up and down. No, no, we're there to grow spiritually, emotionally, physically. Wouldn't it be great to have a place like that? And so I had this space where the building could go and it could be a 25,000 square foot facility, which is fairly good sized. And I started doing my research because, well, I've never built a gym before. And so I started looking at models around the state, and I was driving long distances to go check these fitness centers out, and then I found this one, which I'm not going to name the name, but I found this one, and I'm like, that one's pretty dope, I like the feel of that, I like the vibe of that, it seemed like they got a good thing going, and so then I went to my architect, we drew up the plans, and you know, if you've ever built anything, it takes a while, it's a long process. We got the plans drawn up. We spent a lot of money on these plans to get these plans drawn. Would you believe it? Before we ever got even close to breaking ground, a sign went directly across the street from our church that said, coming soon, such and such fitness center. I'll tell you, the world's full of sharks. The world's full of sharks. So the very people I met with to get research advice and counsel from are the very people that said, oh, they need one out there? I'll do that. So what I'm saying is you have to be protective about your dream. You have to be careful who you share it with. You need to talk to somebody, but not just anybody, because some people, they don't like your dream. In fact, some people, they don't like you. In fact, some people, it's not that they don't like you. They're just jealous of God's favor on your life. They wish that they had what you had because you're blessed and you're anointed by God. And they're jealous because they wish they were blessed and anointed by God. This happens with dreams too. Somebody's like, hey, I'll steal that dream. Happens all the time. People steal dreams. People steal quotes. You know how many times I've seen my quote, something I said on social media? People didn't give me any love for it. That's okay. It's cool. Use it like it's your own. Whatever. It's a thief world. See, there's dream killers and there's dream stealers. And you want to get advice, but you need to find somebody that they love you unconditionally. They care for you. They'll pray for you, but they also can give you some counsel and some guidance. This is what the Bible says in Proverbs 24, 6. It says, the more good advice you get, the more likely you are to win. So let's win. How many ready to win this year in 2022? Number four, the fourth key is to count the cost. Jesus said this in Luke 14. He said, suppose one of you wants to build a tower, won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete the tower? For if you lay the foundation, but you're not able to finish it, 
Everyone who sees it, they're going to ridicule you saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Because there's a lot of great starters in life and not a lot of great finishers in life. I could tell you by name, name after name after name after name after name of pastors, preachers, ministers who started out strong and are no longer in the ministry by the hundreds. They started strong, but they didn't finish strong. I could tell you name after name, after name, after name of husbands who started out strong, but didn't finish strong. Daddies who started out strong, but didn't finish strong. Entrepreneurs, there's a lot of great stuff. Anybody can start something. Anybody can start something. The question is, can you finish it? Can you finish it? Because I don't know about you, but for me, I want to be a strong finisher in life. I want to run the race like Paul said. I want to fight the good fight, and I want to finish the race. I want to finish strong. I don't want to burn out. I don't want to flame out. I don't want to fail out. I want to finish strong. Anybody else with me, you want to finish strong? So Jesus says, you've got to count the cost. Now here's a question that everybody needs to ask themselves about this dream that God gives them. The two questions you've got to ask yourself is what is this dream going to cost me? And the second question is, am I willing to pay it? What's it going to cost and am I willing to pay it? Counting the cost, it means doing your homework, your due diligence, my research, my preparation. I might need to network. I might need some partners. I might need some investors. Depends on the size of the dream. I might need some partnerships. You, you know what else I've learned in life? There is no greater partnership than the church of God. Let me explain for a minute. The greatest partnership on earth is with the church of God. There are billions of people who claim to be Christians. There are millions of churches around the globe, across the planet, focused on the same mission, glorifying Jesus Christ and building his kingdom. Listen, if you're a leader today, if you want to be a good leader, you're a leader of a business, an organization, a team, you're a teacher, you're a coach, you're a business owner, if you're a leader and you want to be a great leader, you need to study the life of Jesus Christ. 
because his organization is the largest on the planet. No other organization has two billion people in it and it's making an impact still around the globe and the founder was murdered 2,000 years ago. Let's, let's say it a different way. In a thousand years, there will be no Tesla, there will be no Microsoft, there will be no Nike, there will be no Apple. In a thousand years, there is a strong likelihood there will not be a United States of America. But in a thousand years, there will be a church of the living God because the church isn't going anywhere. The church is the most powerful organization on the planet. Y'all go out and buy books about great leaders. I want to read this book about so-and-so. He's such a great leader. But you don't ever pick up your Bible to read about the greatest leader who's ever led in the history of the universe? I got to buy this book. Buy all the books you want. But the moment you start reading and studying the holy written word of God for your life is the moment it starts to shape your life. And when the word shapes your life, get ready. Get ready. Because the floodgates of heaven are going to open from the sky of heaven and pour out all over your life. God's favor. God's love. I got to count the cost. Jesus counted the cost. And Jesus paid the price. And without paying that price, that dream would not be alive today. And you and I would not be here today. Let's look at number five. The fifth key is that I should step out in faith. Sometimes the cost paralyzes people. It's the, the old saying. You know the old saying, paralysis, the, the paralysis of analysis? You analyze so much. I got I to gotta study. I got to study. I got to research. I got to research. And then you just, you just get paralyzed because you get into the analysis, the, the, the stage of research and preparation. See, the, the cost shouldn't paralyze you. The cost should prepare you. And then you got to step out in faith. You have to step out of your comfort zone and into the unknown. This is what it says in Ecclesiastes. This is a great verse. Ecclesiastes 11.4. Solomon says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. You feel that? If you wait for perfect conditions, you're like, well, I'm waiting on this. I'm waiting on that. I'm going to wait till January 1st to work out. I'm going to eat one more piece of pie. December 31st. If you wait for perfect condition, you know, or, or like throughout the year, you're like, it's Wednesday, and you, you want to start eating right and healthy and working out. You're like, I'll start Monday. <laughs> and then the next day, yeah, I'm going to start Monday. I'm going to start. If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. There comes a time when you've got to take the leap. You've got to step out in faith, which is like the most frightening moment of your life, is when you step out of the comfort zone. You step out of the known into the unknown. You step out of the natural into the unnatural, 
But then you realize it's the supernatural. Because this is one thing I've learned about my own life is that every, and I mean every, single miracle I can think of that has occurred in my life started with a step of faith. It's like when Jesus was walking on water and he tells Peter, Peter, come on out, buddy. Peter's in the boat. He is comfortable. He is safe. Peter, come on out. And Peter steps out of the boat and he starts walking on water. It's that first step where the miracles happen. Some of you will never experience the miracles of God that I'm talking about because you're not going to take that first step. When I was younger, I was super crazy and really borderline stupidity, but would kind of do anything. I was the kid that they would be like, Trav, you should, and I'd be like, done, let's do it. And it didn't matter what it is, but when I was younger, I used to go cliff jumping. Anybody else do that? Stupid white people stuff. Anybody else (laughs) cliff jump? Great cliff, why do you need to jump off the cliff? It's perfectly fine. And uh, our basketball team, we used to travel and we would just go find places where we could cliff jump. and, And you know, cliff jumping taught me some spiritual lessons about life. I, I learned the ABCs of cliff jumping. This should be a sermon someday, but I learned the ABCs of cliff jumping. A is the higher you go, the scarier it is every time. It's like if I'm 30 feet up, it's pretty scary. But if you go like double that, you're like, oh, wow, this is scary. And that's the same with your dream. The bigger the dream, the scarier it is. The bigger the vision, the scarier it is. Hey, a God-sized dream, it ought to scare the living mess out of you. The second thing I learned about cliff jumping is that the longer I stand on the edge looking down, the less likely I am to jump. It seems like your brain's like, okay, I'm not ready yet. I'm just going to talk myself into it. But instead of talking yourself into it, what happens is you talk yourself out of it. You, you know, you just need a friend to just push you. Don't tell me. Just, just, oh, and then, you know, you're gone. And so the same is true with your dream. Listen, some of you have been standing on the edge just staring at it for years. All you're doing is talking yourself out of it, not into it. Sometimes you just got to take the leap of faith. You just got to say, I'm, I'm going, I'm going. And, and then the third thing, I already said this a minute ago, but letter C of A, B, and C, the third thing that I've learned through the exercise of cliff jumping is that stepping out in faith is where the miracles happen. That's where your dream becomes your destiny. That's where your dream becomes your destiny in every Every miracle, every miracle that I have experienced in my life, it started with a crazy step of faith. Some of you today, you're one step away, one step away from God doing something miraculous in your life.
You won't, you won't experience the supernatural staying in the natural. It's not gonna happen. You've gotta step out of the boat. Some of you are like, well, if I could just figure this part out and figure that part out, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna take the step. But I need to, if, listen, if you knew all the facts, you wouldn't need any faith. If you knew all, it's like, remember there's two stories where the Israelites crossed a body of water. There's two different stories. There's the Jordan River and there's the Red Sea. They're both very different, even though they're similar. See, the Jordan River was like, lift up your staff, Moses. The waters parted and they walked through. But the Red Sea, it was entirely different. Because the Red Sea experience was, you need to start walking out into that water and then I'll part the sea. You see the difference? The difference is that some of you, you're like, I'll do it, I'll totally go. I'll totally do what God asked me to do. God, part the rivers and I'll go. Nope. He's saying, go. And I'll part the waters. Faith. When you take the first step. This is the other thing I learned, and I don't like it, but I learned it. Is that you're going to take the first step. You know why? Because it's the only one God showed you. But some of you trying to figure out all the facts first. You're like, but I need to know what A through Z is. Some of you control freaks. If I could figure this out and that out and that out and this out and this out and this out and this out. But if I do that, what does it mean for this? And you'll, you'll never get out of the boat like that. But God shows you the next step. This is why scripture says in Psalm 119, he says your word, it's a lamp. It's a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. The reason he says it, the way he says it is is a lamp. A lamp just lights up enough for us to see right now. Right? It's like your car. You're driving down the road. It's dark. You turn your head, headlights on. You can only see what's in front of you. You can't see five miles down the road. You can't see ten miles down the road. You can see what's right in front of you. And so a lot of times what combats the faith in our life is we're trying to see the rest of the story when God's only showing us the next step. And what happens is you take the step and then he shows you the next one. And then he shows you the next one. And then he shows you the next one. And then the next one. And pretty soon, you don't even realize it, but you're walking through the middle of the Red Sea. And then pretty soon, you don't realize it, but you're nearing the end of the Red Sea. You've just walked through the miraculous, supernatural power of God Almighty by taking one step. Somebody say one step. One step of faith at a time. Come on, Impact Church. Would you stand to your feet with me? Stand to your feet. Put your hands together for the word of God today. Father, we love you today. We come before you in Jesus' name. God, that you would fill us with faith. God, that you would fill us with faith, God, that you would fill us 
with fire, as Hebrews says, the all-consuming fire of God. Lord, that you would consume us. God, that you would fill us. Listen, if you're here today and you've never taken a step of faith to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, I believe that's why you're here right now. God wants you to take that step in faith. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to understand every fact, every detail. That's why it's called faith. And if that's you today, I want to encourage you to invite Jesus into your life to be your Lord and your Savior. And just pray from where you are. Say, God, today I give you my life. I want to live for you, God. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for unconditional love. God, put a dream in my heart. God, put a vision, a God-sized dream, a God-sized vision so that I can be a kingdom builder. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to connect and celebrate with you. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.